Welcome to Shit Our Family Say, the podcast that explores the quirky, hilarious, and sometimes heartfelt expressions that have been passed down through generations of families. We talk about those sayings we hear from family members that may not make sense to anyone else, but they bring a smile to our face, or they hold a special place in our hearts and connect us to our families in a unique way. Welcome to today's episode of Should Our Family Say? Our special guest is Dr. Cindy Banton, who hails originally from Compton, California and resides in Chandler, Arizona. Cindy is the founder and CEO of Avid Consulting and the proud recipient of the 2023 Diversity Business of the Year Award. Today, she courageously opens up about the hurtful remarks her family has made over the years. With candor and vulnerability, she shares how these words have shaped her journey and contributed to her growth. Join us as we dive into her stories, hoping you'll find both insight and inspiration through her words. My family is very secretive. They are very secretive, conservative people. They get good government jobs or they'll get a good corporate job and stay there until they retire. So that's what I'm kind of dealing with. I'm a little bit of the black sheep of the family because <laughs> I'm always doing something different, always trying something new. Right. I'm out there, right? And so um, we keep a lot of secrets. So whenever we have conversations, like I have conversations with my aunties, and they'll say, um, I'm here. They're still all still in Los, Los Angeles. And they'll want to say, um, well, you didn't hear it from me because they give me the rundown on everybody who's doing what in the family. You didn't hear it from me, but so-and-so is she went to the prom with a white boy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not shocked that right. this person did that. I was like shocked that they were shocked that, that she it went took to place. the prom. So right. it's like that kind of stuff. It's like, come on, guys. We live in a new day and age. Young people don't, they're not like that, you know. So uh, everything is prefaced, prefaced with, you didn't hear it from me, because they don't want to get back. Right, get back right. But what's funny is they're probably telling it to multiple people in the family. Of course. Because I'll talk to, get off the phone with this auntie, talk to the other auntie, and she'll say the exact same thing. You didn't hear it from me, but... I love it. So much of the prom. I'm like, oh, okay. Yay for her. But you know what's funny about you saying that is that so many times families are secretive. And this thing of, I'm going to share it with you, but I don't want you to share it with like person B, but I'm I'm also going to tell person B, like, what is that about? Oh, yeah. And then the part of it where it says, you didn't hear it from me, takes the responsibility off you if it gets out. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Legitimately, I could say, I didn't tell you that. It's like dropping a hand grenade in a crowd of people and go, why'd that happen? You know, and you, you did it. And I find this saying is more common amongst the women in the family than the men. Yeah, because men don't gossip. Oh, yes, they do. <laughs> <laughs> Men gossip more than women do. I think they do. Yeah, they just make it sound like we do all the gossiping, don't you think? I wouldn't know. Because <laughs> I didn't hear it from you. <laughs> okay. So there's a specific example that I remember about uh, using that phrase, you didn't hear it from me, mm -hmm. is my mother. God rest her soul. She was on the phone with another relative, telling, talking about a third relative. I'm in the room listening to the conversation. I can only hear my mother's side, but I can imagine what was going on the other side. And she's just 
you know, telling all this business, right? Right. Like, I'm sitting, I was, and then my mom got home. I'm like, why did why did you say that? You know, it's going to get back to her. Within a half an hour, my mother got a phone call <laughs> from the person and said, why did you say that about me? She was like, I didn't say that about you. I don't know where she got this uh, that from. I, she, she didn't hear it from me. Right. I am sitting the there dirt. going, I can't believe what's happening. You watched the it whole thing. It was like thing. I was in another world. Mm-hmm. The whole circle of, of that, that phrase and how, and how it could be. Yeah, they eventually worked it out. You know, she's going to say something about her and then the cycle continues. So I'm curious, right? Hearing this and experiencing this kind of bizarre uh, experience where you're like, is she really saying she didn't say this? I just watched this all play out. How did that impact you? How does that influence the way you communicate either with other people or talk about other people or don't talk about other people? Like, how did that influence you? That's a great question. It's a mixed bag. I I find myself, I do gossip a little bit, but I don't think, I don't do it in a hurtful manner. Mm -hmm. Gossip is, you know, I I don't know if I really call it gossip because the intent is not to be mean. It's just, ooh, did you hear about that? You You might spill the tea a little bit. Yeah, it could be a good thing, you know, all in all, it boils down to gossip. So, but it kind of wanes your trust with people a little bit. When you hear them, be can so freely deny something. I will say something to someone and say, because once it comes out of your mouth, it's out there. Right. I can't deny I said, said if I say something about Lavelle and it comes back to me, I have to say, yeah, I did say that. You know, you take that risk. So uh, I'm always cognizant of the things I say there is potential it could come back. Yeah. And I have to be full, take full responsibility to that, uh, for that. But seeing other people just do it so effortlessly, it's almost scary. Right. It is. Say to a person, you know, I didn't say that. I'm like, did I, am I being gaslighted here? Did I hear it? It makes you question your own sanity. Gossip is more unconfirmed information. So if you're just sharing information that we know is true, then that's not gossip. Hmm. Thank you. Now I feel better about myself. I kind of like that. Unless the person you're sharing it about doesn't want it out there. But that's not gossip, though. It's still not gossip. It's Gossip is unconfirmed information. Okay. Is that the final word? Hmm. Drop, drop the mic, baby girl. <laughs> drop the mic. <laughs> I thought what Cindy said about the harmful effects of secrets and gossip was really compelling, but I wanted to push back on you a little bit, Dupree, about what you said about gossip. I'm cool with that. You can push up against me. No, no, not push up, push back. (laughs) Okay. As long as there's some pushing going on, I'm cool with it. So you said that gossip is unconfirmed information. Yeah, I did say that. But I think it's more than just that. Okay, I I agree with you. That was too easy. (laughs) (laughs) Keep pushing, keep pushing. No, because it it can be unconfirmed, but it can also be confirmed. Right, but you don't have to push too hard because Uh I did some research a little bit. You know what I'm saying? That's why we got phones and things and... Uh, not, not just phones, but you know we have Wikipedia and we have uh, the Webster's Dictionary, and it also does indicate that it's it can be confirmed information that you may not want others to know, and that is gossip. So I'm making it easy on you. Oh, thank you. You made that real easy. You know when you can find a man 
that's willing to admit that he's wrong when he's right, that's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good thing. So Yeah, that is good. But I guess the, the point that I wanted to make about gossip is that it's usually, it doesn't matter if it's true, false, confirmed, or unconfirmed, but it's information that's usually shared behind somebody's back. Correct. Right. You know? So, And a lot of information is um, told or shared behind somebody's back. So I think it's more um, shared behind somebody's back that they wouldn't ordinarily put out mm-hmm. there. Yeah. Right. Because me being sexy, if you said it behind my back <laughs> and it's true, it's all good. You know what I'm saying? And you would put that out there. Yeah. I do want to go back to something you said, Cindy, which is once it's out there, it's out there. And I remember growing up and my grandmother would say, your words are like a stone. Once released, you can't get it back. So once you throw the stone and it is in action or moving through the wind, right? You can't say, okay, I don't want to throw that rock at something or someone. And it's the same way with your words. Once you put them out there, the harm's done, right? If you are talking Mm -hmm. about someone. Yeah. And I've had things come back before and I had to own that. Mm-hmm. But interestingly enough, when you own it, the person it got back to says it's hard for them to argue with you because they're like, oh, they're owning it. Um, what do I do? Or and, or and I can give a further explanation of why I said what I said. So it's kind of hard to dispute that. Or And if we, you know, it damages a friendship or a relationship, then I take responsibility for that, too, because I said it. That stone hit the person and the damage, <laughs> them is, out. you know, yeah. Yeah. You know, did it just put a net on them or did, did it, yeah. you know, are they bleeding? What's happening? So yeah, responsibility is huge. That is so powerful and so true. And I think four of the most powerful words you can say is I take full responsibility. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes that's all a person wants is to hear. That's all. Or I'm sorry. Right. I take full responsibility I'm so and I'm sorry. Right. Look at you yes. combining yeah. words. <laughs> <Crazy. laughs> I love it. Um, and this is this is a, a tough one for me. When they say, "Well, you know how you know how your mother is, or you know how mm. your auntie is," and you you know um, that that is a really shitty phrase to me because it relieves somebody of their bad behavior, mm. or it asks you to excuse a person's bad behavior. Accept it. At your own, yeah, accept it. And accept it at your own, in spite of your own self-preservation. And all through my life, this type of thing has happened because I was, anytime I would try to call somebody on something, and, you know, you have that deception where, well, I didn't say that, or I didn't do that, or that wasn't happening. Right. You have that going on. Then I'm trying to call somebody on their bad behavior that affected me. And then they go, oh, you know how, you know how your mom is. Just, you know. You should expect Does anybody that. say, <laughs> but does anybody say, well, you know how Cindy is. They're not saying that. Well, they're not you saying that to I Cindy. <laughs> they're saying that to each other. Yeah, that part. <laughs> Like, can you believe Cindy just called me? Well, you know how Cindy is. <laughs> she asked me to yes. own my stuff. <laughs> She's a troublemaker. She's always starting shit. Well, well, you know how she is. She well, you know how Cindy shit. is, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I could see how yeah. that could be a, a little annoying and off-putting, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I, let me give you a uh, specific example of how it was really kind of 
hurtful and humorous at the same time. Um, my sister had this huge birthday party mm-hmm. and um, it, we all went on this trip to Santa Barbara, California, not far from where um, Beverly Hills. <laughs> adjacent. <laughs> not Everybody adjacent to jokes. Beverly Hills. <laughs> <laughs> and we're all having a great time. And I kind of felt like an outcast a little bit. I, I expected it, but I'm still having a great time, you know, in my world. Right. And um, my cousin, I mentioned something to my cousin. I said, you know, when we're sitting together as a group with my sister, people come up to me and go, um, so how do you know I'm like, I'm Janice? Right. Names, names are now. How do you know Janice? I'm like, oh, she's my sister. Oh, you're si-. Janice is right there. Doesn't say a word. <laughs> Doesn't say, oh, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> and everybody has this weird, awkward moment, and it constantly happened throughout the whole thing. So I mentioned this to my cousin, who's close to Janice, and I go, why, why, why does this happen? Why does she do that? Well, you know how Janice is. <laughs> I think that's not a that's a passive behavior, passive aggressive behavior. That's mm-hmm. not a personality trait or a characteristic of somebody where, you know, like you wear orange and I'm like, oh, Tony likes orange. She, you know, she is, she likes orange, wears orange all the time. You know, that's, that's something that's can change over time. Right. Maybe one day you say, I don't like wearing orange anymore. I'm going to wear purple, whatever. Um, so I thought it was odd. It was funny and hurtful at the same time, because I got into this real routine of saying, no, I'm Janice's sister, and Janice is sitting right there, you know, <laughs> so, pretending that she didn't hear the person ask who I was. So that's the shitty shit family will do. I get it. I'm just wondering, did you ever ask Janice, why do you do that? No. Mm. Great question. No, and I did. I purposely didn't because you know how Janice is. I <laughs> I, you know how Janice is. You didn't hear it from me, but <laughs> no. But seriously, what, why didn't you ask? It, it would have been. I didn't ask because I uh, didn't want to hear. What are you talking about? Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't ignoring you. I didn't. Mm. I, I didn't hear them ask who they you were. I wow. think that what you're speaking to is really not uncommon in a lot of families. They might not use that expression, oh, you know how so-and-so is, but they use some phrase that normalizes abnormal or inappropriate mm. behavior, right? And makes exactly. it seem like, huh, it's okay. Dysfunctional behavior. Dysfunctional behavior, mm-hmm. right? And now it becomes like, oh, well, you know, it, that's, what, that's, that's what we do, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And we'll blame it on generations. Well, you know his daddy was like that. (laughs) (laughs) However, that could be real. Like, we all have our issues, good, bad, or indifferent. Mm -hmm. And we're not all going to therapy for it. So it could be, you know, a generational issue. That's a great point. Because I, I do. I go see a therapist and talk about these things. Because I know that I could possibly have some of these traits and I don't want them to impact people in my life. Mm. So I have to do self-check. Am I am I being like my mother? Am I being like my father? Am I being okay? Um, because you can pass that stuff along. Sometimes I'll be in the kitchen doing something simple like making a 
a meal, and I'll find myself standing at the stove the way my mother did, you know, but that's DNA, it's in me, right? Right. Or saying something or acting like her in some sort of way. And I I got some great qualities from my mom. I don't take that away from her at all. But there are some things I have to be cognizant of all the time. My The family traits that I don't like. Right. I work on constantly. That is so healthy, Cindy. Yeah. And I think we all, we all kind of in take on some of those traits and dispositions from our family or even practices. And sometimes if you don't do any introspection or reflect on why, why am I doing this this way? Um, you might continue to do that. So I'll, I'll just share one of my stories with you. When I met Dupree, when I would cook, um, rarely, but when I would cook and uh, we'd be putting away the meal, right? You put them up in a container. Uh, I would leave it out to cool off and then put it in the fridge. And Dupree, what, what would, did you used to say to me? Why are you leaving that on the counter to cool off? And I'm like, because you want to cool it off before you put it in the fridge, right? The refrigerator is designed <laughs> to cool it off. <laughs> so we went back and forth like this for the longest time. And then I realized it's because my mother left the food on the counter to cool off before you put it in the fridge. My grandmother left the food on the counter to cool off before you put it in the fridge. And the reason they did it was because back in the day, they had an ice refrigerator, ice. Mm. If you put something warm with the ice, the ice would melt. But these days, it's a refrigerator. <laughs> it's not. Remember it was called an ice box? Ice box, uh-huh. Now it's called yeah. a refrigerator. So you can put right. hot stuff in a refrigerator. But she had to... No, we went back and forth. But that's just one example of doing things that your family did because that's what they did or said or how they behaved. And you don't even question it. You just do it. I love that you are doing your self-check and you're cognizant of the fact that this is not what I want to do or this might not be how I want to move forward. And that I think is such a healthy thing to do. Yeah, thank you. This one is particularly interesting to me because it affects me directly. My family will say to me, oh, you're just being oversensitive. You're a drama queen. You know, you're you're a very, my dad once told me, um, you're a highly intelligent person and highly intelligent people tend to be oversensitive. I don't know where he got that brilliant. Um, <laughs> Google. He, he got it on Google. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he Googled it. <laughs> oh, Wow. And I, you know, and my thought is, first of all, when you start telling people you're over this or too much of that, I ask, who are you to set the standard for what's too much or too little of something? Right. And what gives you the authority to set the standard for what is too much or too little of something? Oversensitive is anyone who's more sensitive than me. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Don't you think that's the standard that people use? Like, you're more sensitive than I am. That's overly sensitive. What do you Mm. I don't judge. You don't judge. Okay. I love mm. it. So is there um mm-hmm. is there a time though, Cindy, where you said ever, is there any truth to that? Like when someone says something like that, do you do you say to yourself, Okay, is there any merit here? Is there any truth to it? Um, yes. But 
not what not so much when it comes to my family because anytime they use your oversensitive when I call them on something. Okay. Oh, you're just being oversensitive. Right. You know, it's it's like they discount my feelings on things. Keep in mind, just to give you some background, my family is not, they see vulnerability and being emotional as a weakness. Okay. Um, they will go way out of their way not to cry at a funeral and show grief. It's like, I don't understand that. Or if you express emotion about something, they see that as a weakness. Like you're less than because mm. you can't be this stoic, strong person. And I don't know if this goes back to, to, to you know, great, great grandparents or slavery days where if you showed some sort of emotion, something would happen to you. I don't know. But they don't show emotion. I didn't grow up in a household that was, in, in our generation, it wasn't a whole lot of hugging and I love you kind of stuff. That came along way, way later. We were like in our 50s and stuff. But um there was all, I've always been a child and a person who openly shows my emotion and expresses my love and appreciation for people. I'm a hugger, I'm a toucher. And they're not like that. They don't understand it. And when they say things to me and I get upset about it, and my upset goes two ways. I either go, Compton rises up and I go ballistic or I retreat. For self-preservation. I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't have to deal with this. Let me, let me get out of this. You know, like my father look at me. He'll pick me up from the airport and he'll look at me. He will say, hi, how you doing? Give me a hug. He goes, you look skinny. <laughs> I'm like, would you say that to Janice? You know, that kind of thing. And uh, one time I really went in hard on him and gave, I wrote a letter. I said, you know, this, these are the things that you're saying and doing that I don't like. I'm not a person who, I don't look the other way when things happen. I'm not a sweeper under the carpet. Mm-hmm. I'm a person who lives my life from a place of truth and um, honesty and, and self all these things. I look in the mirror every day. So I don't like, I'm, I can't pretend things aren't happening. So when I call thing, call you out on things, it's something is how I'm feeling and you need to listen to that. Then they come back with, oh, you're just, you're just oh, you're a drama queen. And they won't hesitate that to say it in front of people, which is even more kind of disturbing. Right. You know, because people now are looking for, oh, they walk on eggshells around me. They don't want to set you off. She said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Her family says she's sensitive. Don't say that to her. (laughs) I get that all the time. We'll be at big family functions, except for my cousins. They all know better. It's just the immediate family, but they get people thinking, oh, so I'm wondering in a family where stoicism is valued, where uh, kind of suppressing your emotions outwardly is what was practiced, how did you learn to get in touch with your emotions? Because that's not something that it sounds like you were exposed to growing up, but it sounds like you're really in touch with your who you are and how you feel. So how did you come to that place where you're able to be considered by them overly sensitive, but really, I think, to be in touch with who you are and with your emotions. I have, from the time, my earliest childhood memories, I have always, I've never denied my emotion. I've never, I I just did it. You know, they just had to deal with me as that kind of person. Um, You know, I cry. I wrote love letters to people. To me, it comes completely natural. Mm -hmm. What I found as a child, it doesn't come natural. Like I was, I never bonded with my mother. I never had tender moments where I go, oh, I can't remember a touch. I can't remember a conversation um, that was ever loving and caring. So I am who I am. And I, I never, I never wanted to be like that. 
I can remember at my sister's funeral, my oldest sister passed away. She's my best friend. And we're at the funeral. And um, it was, I was sitting next to her partner. And, you know, we weren't weeping outwardly. It wasn't that kind of thing. But, you know, and I remember my dad turns around and looks at me and goes, gives this look like. Wow. His daughter. Why, you know, why are you crying kind of? It was the weirdest thing ever. Yeah. It's like. Yeah, that. Unbelievable. I was like, I'm grieving my sister. Right. And you are allowed to do that. I'm allowed to do that, yeah. but they don't understand that emotion. They don't understand outwardly showing something. Um, it, it's almost, you almost get punished for it mm-hmm. in a way. So when is, I hear stuff strange. like that, I'm really curious. Like it just sparks my curiosity. And I know your mother's no longer with us, but I would love to find out or would wonder if you ever asked her about that because what were her experiences in life that got her to the place where she had to shut down her emotions? Like, mm-hmm, do you exactly. have any insight into that at all? Or or even your dad, like what was their background or their family like where they said, you know, you will not show emotion? Even I look at photographs, they don't smile. Like on my father's side, they don't smile in photographs. They're very... Now we have to, they do it, okay, because we make them smile. But my mother's Nobody side smiles in those they, old photographs, Cindy. <laughs> no, they don't. They look like they were in pain. Like, I think wow, they were. <laughs> Everybody grew up in a, a different um, in a different era. So they grew up like in the mm-hmm. 40s. So yeah. I don't know what they did for a living, but it probably wasn't pleasant per se. And mm-hmm. then back in the day, they were, oh, he's a strong, silent type. So it's like a lot of men didn't show emotions. They weren't mm-hmm. allowed to show emotions. And then if right. you're with your woman, you're with your man, you're going to end up being like him, kind of. So yeah, I'm not taking the onus off of them or giving an, an excuse. But back in the day, things were different. And then you yeah. pass it along yeah. from generation to generation to generation. And then Cindy comes along and she, I'm, I'm going to break all these rules. I break all the rules. I'm that loving kid that hugged everybody and gave them a big kiss. And but, but my mom, I remember when my mother passed away, I asked my father, I said, you know, I don't really have any loving moments with mom. Um, why do you think she was so angry all the time? Or why do you think she always was just so hard on us? And he said, you know, when you girls were younger, when you were babies, she said she was very, very loving mother when you were dependent on her. But as soon as we could walk, we, be, we became toddlers and we could walk away and run off and do things on our own. That's when she became distant. And I thought about that and like, oh, that's a control thing. If you mm-hmm. need me when I'm tiny, I'm an infant. I need you. I love you. I gotta, you're my world. Right. But when you gain that independence, you no longer have control over me. As you speak on what you've spoken on thus far, is this therapeutic for you? Absolutely therapeutic. It's therapeutic in a lot of ways. It's therapeutic because I don't often get to speak, you know, about uh, these specific things Mm -hmm. and have people understand. It's therapeutic in that way. It's therapeutic because I'm an open book and I want other people to know, you know, if I can be experienced in this, you can be an experience in it too. And it's okay. 
you know, we have to be okay with ourselves. We have to be okay with our family issues. We have to be okay uh, to help others who, you know, may be remaining silent or scared to speak up in the family environment because there's, you know, they're afraid it might go right. You know, I'm taking a break from my family right now for self-preservation reasons. It's okay. We still send each other birthday gifts, Christmas gifts and stuff. We do the cordial thing. Right. And I made a conscious, I made a conscious effort to do that because I needed to get in tune with myself. I had to preserve myself. When you're around people and they don't make you feel good when you leave, then you need to really think about how am I going to handle this? You know, even if it is your family. So that's something I really have, I wrestled with. I completely agree. Definitely. Yeah. And then I believe uh, we all should feel comfortable, but we don't know how to feel comfortable. And sometimes we don't we don't feel good for being uncomfortable in order to get comfortable. Yes. Like that's yes. real. Break that down a little bit for me. That is real. Mm-hmm. Okay. So in order to be uncomfortable means you have to go through something. Mm. And once you go through it, then you can be comfortable. Or then there's a stigma behind something and you don't want to put that out there. So you're uncomfortable living in your experience. That's mm-hmm. so true. Yeah. And that I like, I love that you, Cindy, are at a place in your life where you are comfortable and, and willing to share your story because, like you said, there are other people who may be going through something similar and they're stuck in covering up or not being transparent. Mm-hmm. Even when I would go back home to visit and I walk in a family home, immediately my body would respond mm-hmm. to what it felt like living in that home mm-hmm. as a child. I could hear the yelling. I could hear the screaming. I could hear. It just felt like our certain parts of the house, and everybody experiences this. Don't be going in the living room. <laughs> when my mom passed away, the first, the first thing I did was go lay on the living room couch and put my arm back. Because you, you had the plastic on the. You had plastic on the on the sofas. No, we because nobody was allowed to go. Okay. So, <laughs> you didn't need plastic. We're gonna display all our no no boo. You didn't need plastic because you weren't going in there. Um, but you know, it, it's those things you have to overcome and, um, it just didn't feel good. But, you know, like you say, once you keep doing it, you'll get over it. You'll learn to deal with it. And so that's how I handle it now. Growth. We Perfect. call that growth, right? Mm-hmm. I want to say that I think what you all are doing is amazing because, People, from a family perspective, sometimes you have things go on in your family and you think, oh, we're the only ones. Nobody does this but us. Our family's weird. Yes. And just sharing these things, even in light, makes it important. It makes people feel like, oh, shoot, I'm not alone. I'm all, uh, alone. You know, this happened to my family, too. So thank you for allowing us to uh, people to know that, you know, everybody's family says shitty stuff. So, so in my opinion, Cindy gave us a lot to think about or gave me a lot to think about. So I thought about when I got married the first time, maybe it was the second time. (laughs) (laughs) But but, uh, yeah, but so I came from a dysfunctional household. My wife at the time came from a dysfunctional household. So now you got two dysfunctional people trying to have a functional relationship. Like a negative and a negative trying to make a positive. No. Like a dysfunctional <laughs> positive and a dysfunctional negative trying to equal something. Mm. 
So, but the bottom line is she gave us a lot to think about. What about you? What's, what's your feeling? I agree. I think uh, she was, first of all, it was great that she was so candid with us. And for me, the the thing I think about as I reflect on her conversation is just that whole idea of not normalizing the abnormal, which we tend to do a lot in families. Like it just becomes accepted behavior. Right. You know? Sadly. Sadly accepted. Yeah, I agree. Or it happens, but it's not accepted positively. But it, it you're not you're accepting it, but you're not really accepting mm-hmm. it. Like you're dealing with it. That's that maybe that makes better sense. You're dealing with it. You're not accepting it. You're tolerating. To- there you go. That's the word. Yeah. That's the big word that I just can't <laughs> grasp. Sometimes. You're tolerating the dysfunction <laughs> right. and surviving through it. Yeah. Yeah, I think that happens a lot. The other thing is just how important it is to have respect, empathy, and honesty in communication with your family members. If you can have it, but that and that's awesome. Like if you can have communication with your family, tell them what you dislike, and then they're not mad at you because you told them that you didn't like it. Mm-hmm. They can just grow. You can grow from it, hopefully. So you think people can't have that? You said if you can have it. I don't think most families or most people, most people can say, hey, I don't like this about you, or any of those things. You do it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I, no, you're right. I do because I'm I'm, allow, I'm allowed to and I can. And my family and I, we work things out. Mm-hmm. Not my dad. But for most part, you know what I'm saying? What I'm yeah. saying? But most families can't go to their sisters or brothers, wives or husbands and say, hey, this is what I don't like. And still walk away respecting one another. Mm-hmm. It's, it's easier said than done. I agree. So what will help? What would help? Yeah. Maybe if people are encouraged or have the gall or the gumption to get therapy, mm. I think that would be fantastic. But there's a stigma, I think, around therapy, and a lot of people don't see the value or the need. So just short of therapy, you think there's anything people can do? Short of therapy is having these type of conversations. Um, I thought there was a stigma behind therapy and like I've said you can read about it in my book (laughs) (laughs) I went to therapy and it helped me immensely yeah all right well there's the drop the mic and we're back yes we are and thank you all for tuning in today we hope you've enjoyed our discussion and if you found it engaging we encourage you to share this episode with a friend or share a memorable saying from your family with us via email using shitourfamilysay at gmail.com. To stay up to date with our latest episodes, don't forget to hit that subscribe button. This way, you'll be among the first to access our upcoming content as soon as it's released. Your continued support means the world to us. So thank you for being a part of our podcast audience. Thank you.